Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm Grant Schwalbe, I'll be your host today, and today with me I've got Keith Chapman out of Escambia County, Florida. Welcome, Keith. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the uh, department that you work on? Yeah, my name is uh, Keith Chapman. I'm a lieutenant with uh, Scambia County Fire Rescue. Uh, our department, um, we're about 876 square miles, give or take. Um, and <clears throat> we're uh, on the panhandle of Pensacola. Uh, we're a combination department. Uh, right now, give or take, we have a 150 career personnel and um, about 100, 200 uh, volunteer personnel. Um, we're an urban suburban department. Um, within our jurisdiction, uh, we do water rescue, high rise, uh, rail, uh, you name it, everything comes through uh, Scambia County, Florida. So specifically the district you work at or the area where you're at, what do you guys get on a box alarm? On a box alarm in Pensacola, mainly where I'm at, a residential box alarm, uh, you'll get four engines, a ladder, and two chiefs is uh, nor normally what responds. And out of that response, how do you guys divvy up tasks? Are you uh, pre-incident arrival, incident command driven, or how does that work? Normally how it works is, um, well, it, it's worked several different ways, but the uh, first engine on scene, Normally we'll do fire attack, second engine we'll do uh, search, and uh, it'll kind of just unfold from there, whatever task uh, needs to be done from there. Um, normally the first, uh, the second arriving company officer will run command until uh, a chief arrives on scene, and then he'll assume command, and that company officer can uh, get back with his personnel and uh, complete what tasks uh, they were performing at that time. What kind of time delay do you have between first and second and third units arriving on scene? Yeah, you know, that could vary. Um, you know, you could be looking at a minute to two minutes to, you know, just depending on where the, the situation occurred. Um, you know, it could vary from, from a, a 30 seconds to a minute to, um, you know, three or four minutes. It, it just, just really depends. Gotcha. Who, now when you guys are doing search, what's your searches look like? Are they oriented, split search, uh, traditional? How do you guys do this? Well, when we do search, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a, an oriented right hand, left handed search, uh, just depending on the, the layout of building. And, uh, you know, once, once the company officer, uh, sees what we're doing on a residential search uh, he'll call out um, whether we're going to go right or left and then um, you know we'll just uh, do an interior search uh, going around the room cool. or, or the uh, building we're going into cool so the incident we're going to talk about today is uh, happened September 21st September 21st 2020 uh, uniquely you guys were just post hurricane so you had a little bit different uh, resources up in your way. Do you want to talk about that before we jump into the call? Yeah, so um, we were six days after Hurricane Sally. Uh, you know, the hurricane come through. Uh, our, our call load was through the roof. Um, this would have been our uh, second shift after the hurricane. Uh, the shift before 
Uh, we had ran 25 plus calls. We were gearing up for another busy shift. Um, storm debris was everywhere. Uh, he, the power company was going around and um, getting power to restore to a bunch of residents. So the, the shift before we had had a couple of fires where uh, the power company had showed up and um, was turning on power, you know, and they people would have uh, the stove was on and stuff was on the stove or, you know, we, we'd ran multiple, uh, structure fires like that, uh, all, all related with, uh, parts of town that the power company was turning the power back on to. And, uh, the morning of the 21st, we'd received a strike team. Uh, it was four guys. It was one engine and they were out of East Lake, Florida fire rescue. And, um, so we, we were glad to see them and we were glad to see that we were going to get some relief. Uh, you know, it, being from Florida and hurricanes and, you know, it's a long-term ordeal, uh, getting everything restored. And, uh, you know, our off days, uh, we were trying to get our homes taken care of, family members taken care of. So, you know, it was just nonstop for us. And, uh, you know, we just come to work, um, geared up for another busy shift. Yeah, somebody that's never experienced that, uh, it's tough to explain. It's, it's like you're in a bubble for a week or so. Let's uh, t tell us about the run then. Okay, well, well, to kind of go back, you know, uh, these guys go up from East Lake, Florida. Uh, we're kind of in the honeymoon stage with them. We're kind of telling them how we operate. They're telling us how they operate, you know, and, and being a bunch of firemen from the other side of the state, you know, we, we hit it off immediately, you know, and their personalities and our personalities, we got along real good. Um, <clears throat> we had ran a couple of runs that morning. We had had a uh, commercial fire, a grease fire in a seafood fast food restaurant we'd went to with them. Uh, we took them to the grocery store, um, introduced us to locals, showed them the district. Uh, we had ran a gas leak in an apartment complex and, um, you know, we, we'd come back, I, I want to say is 10 or so in the morning. We were trying to get breakfast or get, get something to eat. And, um, you know, we're just trying to get things ironed out. And, uh, you know, I was talking to their company officer and, Hey, you know, I'd come up with, uh, we'll run one call, y'all run one call type thing, give us a break, or, you know, I, I forget really what we worked out. Um, those guys are so ready to work and do something. Um, you know, I think we might even come up, they could have ran all the calls if they wanted to. Um, but uh, multi-company incidents or something like that, you know, we would go with them. And, um, you know, we talked about when we arrived on scene, uh, my engine, which is a four-man engine, he had a four-man engine. Uh, we would do search and uh, they would do fire attack and um, you know I would run command until uh, uh, the chief a chief showed up uh, you know the culture in our firehouse we have this uh, app on our phones it's called Pulse Point and uh, we had found out that you can as um, soon as dispatch gets the call and it's a structure fire call Pulse Point will go off on our phones and uh, if you don't know much about Pulse Point, it's a it's an app that uh, somebody goes into cardiac arrest or something like that. It alerts you that you know within so many miles somebody's in cardiac arrest. So we we had put that app on our phones. Um, and another thing is uh, you know we have uh, the computer CAD system pulled up 
on a big TV in the uh, computer room and we have one in the day room. So as soon as 911 or their dispatch center receives the call and they code the call, we're sitting there watching it on our screens too. So, uh, you know, there's a pretty coveted word at my firehouse is uh, once you see fire, whether it pops up on the CAD system in the kitchen or, um, you know, your pulse point goes off, everybody hollers fire and everybody drops what they're doing and they're heading to the truck. Um, even if we're not on the card, what have you, we'll still get on the truck and uh, still start heading that way. Uh, it's just something out of our firehouse, our engine, we, we've always done. Um, this particular morning, my driver was in the kitchen. I think I was still talking to their company officer and my driver screams fire. And uh, we head to the truck and uh, he he'd caught the address. Uh, where we were going was less than a mile from the firehouse. Uh, dispatch is still processing the call. Uh, we're immediately getting dressed. Um, I think we roll out on the apron and we're heading towards the house and um, dispatch is dropping tones. Um, you know, we were still just a couple of days after Hurricane Sally. So, uh, you know, red lights are still not functioning. Um, when, when we pull up on the street, the residence is on. There's tree and debris and everything just piled up on either side of the road. And uh, one of the things that we do in Escambia County is uh, we hug the curve. So uh, once you arrive on scene or whatever, you get that truck as far off the road as you can. And that way uh, trucks can pass you on the opposite side or whatever you need to do. But uh, we call it hugging the curve. And uh, my driver had pulled up he was hugging the curve and uh, with all the debris and stuff, we pull up, we had the strike team engine behind us. <clears throat> um, dispatch is still trying to filter through who's in route. And um, I, she, matter of fact, she was dropping another commercial fire on the other end of town. And um, so we're, we're arriving on scene. I'm trying to give a size up. Uh, I just remember just debris everywhere. And as we roll past the house, we pull past the house a considerable distance because we were going to let the uh, truck behind us prepare for the uh, stretch. And uh, it, it took a minute. I was able to get on the radio, and uh, she had, uh, I give the size up. It was a single-story wood frame structure. Uh, I believe it was about 1,200 square foot, heavy smoke showing. Uh, the front door was open. And uh, as I was getting out of the truck, uh, the dispatcher come over the radio and said that there was entrapment. Um, now with, with everything going on and everything happening so fast, uh, where we were going was so close to the uh, station, the occupant was still on phone with 911 when we pulled up on scene. Um, so I, I knew the East Lake guys, they, they were gonna be doing the uh, stretch and uh, you know, when I come around the truck, my nozzleman, or the guy sitting behind me, um, even though we, we were doing search, uh, he, he still holds the nozzle position. He had already went up and talked to the occupants. As I come up and I come around, uh, the East Lake guys were stretching an inch and three quarter to the hose to the door. He said, hey, Lou, there's a woman in here. She's in the back. I said, okay. So, uh, he was already masked up, uh, did everything he was supposed to. He, um, I put my tools down, I go to mask up, and uh, we proceed in. 
uh, one of the East Lake guys uh, dry stretch the hose in the door. Uh, I go around him the uh, to my right when we're going into the house. Uh, we go through a living room and there's a, a kitchen there and there's a fire on the stove. Um, there was heavy hoarding conditions. I remember seeing that. Um, you know, we were so close to this thing. I didn't even have time to turn on my, my thermal imaging camera. You know, I usually do all that stuff while wearing route. Um, after the hurricane, we're trying to find the best route. Trees were still down. Like I said, debris was still everywhere. And um, so, you know, we <clears throat> things were just kind of not running as normal, but we were adapting and overcoming. Uh, as I go in, I'm waiting on the thermal to power up. I still see him. I can somewhat kind of see his light. Um, we didn't really stick with any type of traditional search. The occupants were pretty much telling us, you know, she's straight in, second door on the left. Um, we, we proceeded in. Uh, like I said, the fire was burning in the kitchen. We walked past it. Um, and then we were in the, the room that was on fire. Really couldn't see anything. Her, her bedroom was off of that room. And uh, I, all I hear is, is a female saying she can't breathe. She can't breathe. So, uh, you know, I'm talking to the fireman I'm with. Hey, do you got her? He says, I got her. Let's go. So he's got her. I got him. And uh, I was like, we'll just go out the way we come. So I have my hand on his air pack, and when I go to turn, uh, you know, the fire had doubled. It was starting to roll across the room. Um, <clears throat> my nozzleman later had told me that, uh, you know, the, the fire was rolling rolling across the top of the ceiling, down my back, and around. Uh, I, I definitely felt it. Uh, I had a rubber helmet band that had my flashlight and everything on it. It melted all that. Um, and, uh, you know, because of the heat conditions and everything, I was like, she, she's not going to make it if we go this way. So I shove everybody back into the room. The fireman I'm with, um, when I shove everybody in, gets the door to the room that we're in. And because of the hoarding conditions, he's trying to shut the door. I find a window and I rip the curtains down from the window and I get on my radio, and um, by this time, we'd had a chief rival on scene. Um, you know, things, things were going as normal. Um, <clears throat> I grab my radio, and I holler over the radio. We're sending the patient out the Charlie side uh, window. And uh, I immediately just start smashing the window uh, with my gloved hand about that time. Um, my driver and uh, the irons fireman is coming around the house. They were going to go in the rear to do a search. I'm busting out the window. Um, and then, of course, my, my uh, driver takes his hook, clears the window. And, uh, you know, I holler, she's coming. And we send her out head first, uh, basically into his arms. Um, and uh, she was safely out. And... Uh, in, in care of um, my driver, so myself and the uh, nozzle fireman, we, we continue our search. And then, of course, you know, about the time when we were sending the woman out the window and all everything that was going on, um, the Eastlake guys had already had uh, water on the fire and was extinguishing the fire. So, you know, everything started coming together as clockwork. Um, arriving companies started arriving on scene. Um, 
but um you know that that's kind of the the, the way it went um you know i've been on several rescues uh where we we found occupants um you know and that that's the first time where we we've had to compromise or come up with a a different way to get get the person out um you know we the ones that i was on um uh, you know we've always just uh took the victim out the, the door we come in you know and the fire conditions were changing quickly on us uh had to think on your feet and um you know we we changed the game plan real quick um you know the fireman that i was with um you know recognized the situation the flames were rolling in the room that we were trying to shelter in uh immediately you know tries to shut the door or block the door um you know and of course once the fire was out we go back in there you know and that's when you, you really recognize the the hoarding conditions and everything you're really dealing with but um that that's kind of how it, it went down uh she was transported to the hospital smoke inhalation and that type of stuff and uh you know she was released later but um you know with everything the storm um you know and we'd had another team actually we had multiple strike teams um in the area after the storm you know and they they immediately fell in line um they all knew the mission knew the objectives you know and um for just meeting these guys with uh i'd say uh probably three or four hours before you know we were all able to um pull everything together extinguish the fire and uh, save a human life no oh, awesome story it sounded like it escalated pretty quick from the time you went in until attack made their way in can you uh what were conditions like smoke wise <clears throat> you know smoke wise it was um it, it was a wood frame house so it was giving out that dark brown uh chalk and not not chalky but that, that dark brown smoke uh, I remember when we went in, um, I was somewhat crouched over, and I, I'd seen the guy in front of me, and, and like I said, um, uh, you know, it, from the time that we got the call to the time that we hit the truck to the time that we pulled on scene, um, normally I turn on the thermal, I turn on all my flashlights, you know, and just things were escalating so fast, I was in my air pack. And we pull up and I'm fighting for airtime on the radio that we're on scene, working fire, you know, what we got. And, uh, you know, when we go in, uh, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to get the, the power on the thermal uh, powered up. And not that I depend on it 100% of the time, but trying to get my flashlights on. And I think I'm still throwing my last glove on as I'm going into the structure. And... Um, you know, when we get into the, the room of fire, you can see it burning, you know, you felt the heat as you were going past it. But, um, you know, her bedroom was right off the kitchen, you know, and, and the fireman was, I was with went immediately to her. And, uh, you know, I thought we were going to get her and come right out. But, um, you know, with, with the door being open, the front door open and, and the, you know, the hoarding conditions and everything that they had in that kitchen, just, just uh, conditions were, were changing dramatically. It was cool that you guys were able to search ahead of the hose line. I'm guessing that's not normally the case when you're running with just a single engine out of the house, correct? No, it's not. Um, you know, we, where I'm at, um, like I said, we, we take it very seriously um, on every call. Uh, but, you know, from, from modern technology to our phones to 
um, we're always watching the computer system. Uh, of course, listening to the radio, but we're always trying to get the jump or, um, you know, as soon as we're alerted as something's going on, uh, you know, we're, we're getting dressed and getting on the truck and getting out the door as quick as we can. Um, I love but, that culture uh, that your firehouse has. That's, that's a cool culture. What, where was she found? I know she was in the bedroom, but she, was she on the floor? Was she trying to get out? Was she on a bed or what? When you go in the bedroom, she was on her bed and she had two dogs. We also rescued her two dogs. But, but um, you know, we, we couldn't see, but the best we could tell that she was on her bed, crouched down or huddled on the bed um, with her dogs. And, um, you know, she, when we were going in, you could hear her. Uh, but you, you could hear screaming, help, help me. I can't breathe, you know? And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I know the way out. We'll drag her out. You know, we'll have her out in just a couple seconds. And, you know, when the fire conditions and everything, and I just remember just burning my back. Um, you know, that's when I shoved her, him, everybody back in the room. It's like, well, we're not going that way. And, uh, you know, went over and started busting out that window and uh, you know the whole time i can't breathe i can't breathe and you know i knew i knew we were on borrowed time then with her you know and um my guys come around and uh, we got the window cleared out you know and i i just holler here she comes and um you know it was a single story wood frame home off grade and uh you know one of my firemen was there and, and we just sent her out head first into his arms but how and, heavy um, was she She was an older female, I'd say in her 70s or 80s, and I probably wouldn't say she was over um, 180 pounds, probably. And how, how high was that window you guys had to get her out of? I would, uh, I'd say at least four feet. Um, it, it was off grade. Uh, it, it was at least four feet or so. Uh, it wasn't your standard residential, you know, where they build them on grade. Uh, it, it was a little bit higher than normal. And um, that's what I was kind of worried about what we were going to do with her. Because, uh, you know, her only chance to live is she was going out that window. And uh, I, I didn't, we didn't have the time for one of us to get out and catch her or, or do anything, you know. So I knew as I was busting the window. If I couldn't get somebody out, I was just going to have to send her out or, or get her somewhere where she could breathe and get fresh air. Because, um, you know, the, just the smoke and where she was at, it was zero visibility, you know, just, just nasty smoke. And, um, you know, my guy heard me on the radio. He was already coming around with his crew member. And uh, like I said, they were getting ready to find a door on the rear to come in to search. And, um, you know, he, he cleared the sash with his tools and, uh, you know, we, I was, here she comes. And, uh, we, we just sent her out head first into his arms. I love that. She called the audible and went with the window left uh, to get her out. And it's great that you already had a team kind of in place on that Charlie side with tools, which is an important thing to, to clear the rest of the window. You know, I think sometimes when we're doing a window lift or something at the fire Academy and we're not having to worry about the glass, it's easy, but then all of a sudden you're going to put a human being on there. Uh, you don't want the shards of glass to be, to be there and to be able to uh, have the, the forethought to get that all out. Right. You know, I, I knew she was going to have to go to the hospital. I was thinking smoke inhalation and all that other stuff. And, 
you know, I didn't want glass or to make make the injuries or anything worse, you know. But um, then again, you know, it's like I tell people, and especially when I get a lot of new people on our truck, you know, we only got one shot, whether it's a public assist lifting, a medical call, a cardiac arrest, or, um, you know, saving a human life. We only got one shot, and we got to get it right. You know, whether you're thinking on your feet or you're changing the game plan in the middle of what's going on. But, um, you know, I didn't want to make her injuries any worse than they were. But, but then again, she needed to breathe and she needed to get out of that environment, you know. And um, our, our one shot, um, you know, we, we pulled it off and we did the best we could. She's still alive, you know, and uh, she's still here with us. Uh, one last thing, Keith. Can you tell me about what time-wise from dispatch to time to pick them out or arrival time? It doesn't sound like it was very long. You know, I tried to research that. And, and calls and stuff I've done through my career, I go back in CAD and try to print them off and save them. Um, you know, like, like I said, they were dispatching a commercial fire um, on the other side of town. So a lot of the times were construed. Uh, there, there was multiple radio traffic. Uh, we had one dispatcher dispatching fire that day. Um, but I, I would say three minutes tops from the time that we saw it pop up on CAD. It may be five minutes uh, that we saw it popped on, on CAD to the time that we were on scene and, sh and she was out. Um, you know, and like I said, we, we were running down the road. And, and dispatch is still dropping tones, you know, but um, I, I, it could have been no more than three to six minutes, probably. Uh, it, everything was just unfolding fast. Yeah, excellent work. Uh, being a fire nerd definitely paid off for you guys and for her. Uh, I love that. You got anything else you want to share about this grab? Yeah, you know, um, for, for one, you know, everybody did their job. And um, if I'm forgetting about somebody or not giving them credit, you know, I'm sorry. This was a couple of months ago, and I'm just kind of shooting from the hip and from what I remember. But, you know, it was definitely a team effort from the call taker, the dispatchers to us, to our friends that had come up to help us during this time. You know, everybody played a part in making this happen. You know, it just wasn't me and uh, my nozzle guy. Uh, you know, it was a whole team effort. And, uh, you know, everybody stuck to their assigned task. And um, at, at the end of the day, you know, we, we were able to save a human life, um, you know, and, and she, she was in the worst case possible. Um, now, now, how the fire started, just to back up, is they, they had had some food or something. I think um, they might have been using the stove during the storm. Power goes out. They didn't think about it. Uh, six days later, the power company comes on, starts throwing jacks, restringing neighborhoods, and the stove comes back on. Um, she was in her bedroom. I think her daughter and son was in another bedroom. And then that's when they noticed the smoke, start screaming. Well, she can't get out, so she just tries to shelter in place. The daughter and her son go outside, call 911. Um, you know, th then we arrive, and that's when we start piecing things together and unfolding, you know, and, and that's typically how it happens but um you, you know it, it was definitely a team effort it just wasn't one or two people that did all this it, it was everybody involved and um you know i just want to make sure everybody gets credit uh you know um but but it, it was definitely everybody it just wasn't one or two people or, or anything 
Uh, outstanding. I, I think it also brings up the point that, you know, we know from people teaching around the country and, and, you know, if you got burglar bars or something, it's kind of the job as Rick team to go around and soften the building and all that. But it's a real problem in hurricane prone areas, especially ones that have hurricane shutters, hurricane windows, or makeshift plywood. Uh, we get a ton of fires when they start turning on power and assigning a crew pretty quickly to address the window problem. Because had there been shutters up there or hurricane windows or something in place, uh, that would have significantly delayed uh, this woman's rescue. And uh, so, you know. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it, it would for sure, they, the window would have not been an option, you know. And and then again, you know, I didn't even think about that. But, um, you know, if we'd have pulled up and she was still boarded up from the storm or whatever, you know, you know, what's going to be our play? Are, are we going to try to attempt a rescue or are we going to, you know, re remove some of this wood before we go in, you know, so, so tactics and everything would have changed completely. Yeah. Awesome. Keith, I appreciate you sharing the story. If you make a grab or assist alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take the short survey. This information is for us and by us and updated real time. If you want to share your, story, share your story on the Grab podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ledeen. We're all recording these. Um, if you want to keep do it uh, anonymous without your name, without your department name, uh, we just want real information from Real Life Rescues. And uh, that's all I got. So until next time.